Performance Podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Greetings and welcome to the Payments Podcast. My name is John Gaffney and I'll be your host for this episode that covers the changing role of the corporate treasurer. With the economic forecast ranging from unsettled to stormy, there's arguably no more important financial leadership position than treasury. Put simply, Corporate treasurers manage money and financial risks for businesses. They can be seen as the right arm of the CFO. They help to develop financial policies and strategies. The corporate treasurer deals with existing and expected cash. And you could say that the role of the treasurer is no less than to ensure the availability of the right amount of cash, the right time, at the right place, and in the right currency. That is a full plate. But the role is also changing. And here to discuss its evolution, we're happy to have a special guest today. Guillaume Jovencel co-founded Corporate Treasury 101, a go-to source for corporate treasury knowledge, podcast, community, and a place for experts to share their knowledge. Guillaume's journey into the world of corporate treasury began at Societe Generale Corporate and Investment Banking, where he served as a cash management analyst. His sent stint at Society General laid the groundwork for his subsequent tenure as PwC as a tre- senior treasury consultant. That journey has brought him to our podcast. Welcome, Guillaume. John, thank you so much for having me and for this very warm introduction. I'm going to try to keep up to the expectations and I'm very happy to be here. And I am sure you're going to do a great job. I know you will. So, you know, the treasurer's role didn't need to change a heck of a lot to be essential to the finance of any organization. But now we have a laser focus on liquidity. We have a new focus on technology. And the treasurer is now in a more strategic role. How have you seen that role change since you started Corporate Treasury 101? Yeah, that's um, that's a very interesting one because the main one of the main feedback we receive from treasurers is um, treasury is seen as a support function. Note is not treasury is a support function, but seen as a support function. Um, and if I'm being completely honest, I think I think it's a correct statement. Like treasury is a support function meant to be enabling the business. Now uh, it has evolved over the last decades and especially over the last couple of years, I'd say uh, for. A few years, we've been in a period of very low interest rates. Um, and then all of a sudden, COVID happens and we have lots of liquidity injected into the economy. Um, and then followed by that, we have hike in interest rates and inflation. And then quickly after that, we have worldwide conflicts. And all in all, um, cash is more expensive. As you, as you mentioned, treasuries are the custodians of cash, but also the financial risk managers. And all of a sudden, foreign exchange risk management becomes critical because when you have at the bottom line of your statement at the end of the year, $100 million in FX loss, somebody is like, well, wait a minute, what's what's that? Like, who's responsible for that? How, how come we lost $100 million in, in foreign exchange risk, uh, in foreign exchange results, sorry. So all of a sudden, because cash is more expensive, foreign exchange risk management becomes much more critical and strategic treasurers are in the spotlight and um, treasurers need to allocate money. They need to invest it. They need to manage it. They need to have visibility on it and advise the other members of the C-suite on its visibility. And they have a huge, a huge responsibility in mitigating a potential FX loss as well. So do I agree with you, John, the, the role of the treasurer in itself hasn't changed a lot, but the circumstances in which we are um, and the environment we are in right now puts the treasurer in the spotlight. And it's like, well, before, you know, we had like 0% interest rates. So, I mean, it wasn't too much of an issue if we had hundreds of millions of dollars sitting somewhere. Well, it's definitely a problem, but not a critical one. When uh, now it can yield 5 to 6% interest rate overnight, 
Um, there's a real question of where is uh, the cash and what are we doing with it? So yeah, uh, we've seen we've seen that evolution, not the role changing, but definitely the circumstances putting the treasurer in the spotlight in a nutshell. Yeah, very well said. You know, um, technology has been a factor, I would think, in this changing role. It certainly seems that way from some other people we've had on the program. Um, I want to get your take on the importance of treasury management systems. You know, we did um, a research project called the Business Payments Barometer, um, and it showed in Great Britain in particular, treasury management system usage jumped from 2022 to 2023, from 27 to 30%. Are you seeing that same uptick when you speak to treasurers and other finance leaders? We do. And what I find astonishing in the stats you just gave, John, is that it's still 37%. Like it's it's less than one in three. It's one in three. It's one in three treasurers that uses a treasury management system. Like, what does that say? We had a we had a guest on the show um, say something that I really like, so I'm gonna quote him. It's Excel is still the most used TMS out there, and it couldn't be more true. Like, we really can relate to that. We had a we had another guest recently who is the group treasurer of a billion dollars company, and she still uses Excel as a TMS. So um, whilst that's happening the people and the treasurer see more and more the importance of uh, migrating towards something that is a bit more automated. And back to the to your previous question, John, because it's becoming critical, we need to give the treasurers the mean to do their work properly and potentially deliver or even over-deliver on what they have to do. What's also interesting is that um, you have more resources allocated to treasurers, right? Because of that very point of, uh, hey, uh, we have this 100 million in FX loss. What are we doing about it? Oh yeah, it's the treasurers, but you know, we, we didn't give him any, any budget to, to manage, mitigate, or even hedge the FX risk. And uh, honestly, we didn't have clear visibility on it. So I couldn't even call it. So that's, that's a problem that needs to be tackled. And honestly, from what we're seeing, starts to be tackled. The other very interesting trend we've seen is that there is a huge amount of specialized treasury tools coming up, like fintechs and startup uh, founders see the need from companies. They see the opportunity because well, let's, let's face it, we're in a world where money means a lot. So when there is a, a money-making opportunity, you, you might want to look into it. And when you see a whole ecosystem of startup and fintech starting to uh, try solving the problem number number three of the treasurer and CFO, problem number two or problem number one even, uh, you're like, hmm, there, there is something happening in here. And we've seen that. Like we have lots and lots of um, of companies reaching out to us saying, hey, I'm, I'm developing this tool or I'm doing this. What do you think? Um, and the last thing I want to mention, and it's going to maybe um, liaise with another question we have in this interview, is the, the emergence of modular solutions. Because as you said, uh, it has jumped from 27 to 37%, meaning there is still two in three treasurers who don't use any. But because maybe uh, they can't afford a six-month time implementation, they can't afford a full-blown TMS. So they don't need the whole shebang. They need a dedicated solution for their dedicated problem. And that's what, that's what a modular solution does. It's less costly, faster to implement, and you don't have to mobilize six months of your already very small and um, busy treasury team. So in conclusion, John, I would say uh, treasurers need to be given the tools to execute well in such an economic context, the one we just broke down uh, previously. And that's definitely linking with, okay, what's the technology we're giving the treasurers? Not only on the on the budget side from the company, but also like in terms of providers, like let's let's put the, the means and the and the tools into the into working what could solve treasurers' problem and give them to, give it to them. Um, and then you have tools, automation that allows that whilst on top of it, reducing risk because you have the quantitative benefits from it. Like, yeah, having visibility and centralizing cash is for sure a huge benefit, quantitative one, uh, but you also reduce the risk of human error. You get them, you get your 
senior treasury analysts to work on more strategic tasks and so on and so forth. So I think with that being said, it comes down to uh, the business case for change to the CFO. Like how did we get from 27 to 37% and how are we going to get to the above 50%? Well, it goes by the treasurers going to the CFOs and saying, hey, I need this. But not just, hey, spend some money for me. It's also like making the business case for it. And again, we're in a world where uh, money accounts for a lot and uh, CFO like that. CFOs like to see the quantitative benefits. What's gonna, how is it going to impact their bottom line? No, no pun intended. So like, show me the numbers, show me how that helps the, the treasury and the company money-wise, and then show, show me also the qualitative benefits. Yes, you won't have your two senior treasury analysts being busy reconciliating bank statements or executing payments manually because it's all automated now. They can focus on uh, strategic tasks, on analyzing data, on um, making good analysis that will allow for strategic decision-making. All that type of things is uh, going towards automating, implementing more TMS or modular solutions of TMS. And I think that's in line with your, with your, with your survey, John. Right, exactly. I, I love the phrase, a business case or change. I'd have to think treasury management automation is part of that business case. And I love what you were saying about the, the modular approach. Does a state-of-the-art treasury management system need to be rip and replace? Oh, that's um, so. Here I have my consultant blood uh, that is uh, fizzling a bit, uh, but I also have the, the pragmatic approach. Th the thing is, let's put it like this: as a treasury department, you have your daily, your da you have your daily job. You have your team to manage. You have month ends to to close. You have the quarterly reports to make. You have to report to the CFO, potentially to the board on certain strategic aspects. Like you're already quite busy. Rip and rip and replace strategy means you sit down. You say, okay, this is what we're doing right now. This is what we need. And now we also need to foresee for a six to 12 month um, implementation and then parallel running and then um, getting out of the previous system, right? That's so much effort, so much energy and so much resources put into this. Or you could have a separate approach because of course that's that's a fit for certain companies, right? You will have companies that are like, no, no, look, we, we are 20 years uh, late on our treasury landscape. We want state of the art and we're going to put the resources in it and we're going to help, going to get help from uh, outside, outside council and whatever you name it. It's still, it's still a worthwhile strategy for certain companies, but for sure not all. Like, and you see system vendors adopting this strategy, answering to specific problems of the treasurers. Because indeed, treasurers can be like, okay, I have this, this is my problem number one. How do I solve it? Okay, there is this tool, this automation, and this resource that could do that. How do we do this in six weeks time with not too much resources allocated from our end and more like a lot of help from the system vendor? And system vendors see that. And um, that's also strategically uh, answering two, two problems. On the corporate side, you get a solution to your problem and you get benefits from it fast. And on the system vendor side, you get uh, to build a positive experience with your clients. It works for cheap. Um, you learn a lot and you have a foot in the door. Because um, again, from a system vendor perspective, uh, what we see is that you get in the door, you solve a critical problem for the treasurer with a modular solution that didn't take ages and lots of resources to implement. And then you're in and you're delivering on that. And you're like, hey, by the way, we, we solved your problem number one and we're doing great. What about your problem number two? Like we, we've seen what it is. It seems to be that and you're struggling a bit with this. Uh, you know, we, we could maybe discuss and see if we have a solution for you. And boom, you have your you have your business case, both for the treasurer, because you solve problem number two, but for the system vendor as well. And now another another take on this question, John, is um, back in my consulting days, plus I've heard that a lot, um, 
you have huge migrations and huge system transformations company-wise. Typically, the one I want to mention is SAP S4HANA. Like lots of companies run on SAP um, and they have to migrate to SAP S4HANA. And that's years of projects and implementation and so on and so forth. That could be the right opportunity for a treasury transformation as well. And back to that business case for change. Hey, we are allocating money to get a state-of-the-art ERP for the company. And I'm saying SAP is for HANA, but really it can be any ERP. I know there are many others out there that do an amazing job. But like, it's in the DNA of the company to migrate for a more robust, stronger system, more lean, more automated. How about we do it for treasury? How about we sit down and see what's our needs right now? What are we doing? What can we not get rid of? What do we need in the future? Like, once we're there, we might have well improved one uh, one thing or two. And then how do we implement that? And you have your you have your transformation project uh, timeline. So, yeah, I think it doesn't need to be a, re a rip and replace. That's maybe caveats. Uh, that can be a strategy for certain people and certain company. But for sure, it's not a, it's not a one size fits all. Like, there is a modular solution approach that exists right now that system vendor supports. And I mean, Jordan, our bottom line, obviously, you, you guys do that. Um, and that works and it's, it solves a problem and you have a foot in the door, corporate treasurers benefit from it and system vendors do as well. So you are completely expert at analyzing this role and, 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 and giving us a vision of how it goes forward. But the most impressive thing about this, and you know, this, uh, you, we've talked about this is, is how you guys cover the intersection of AI and treasury. It's. It's a topic that a lot of finance leaders are just starting to get their heads around. You've been ahead of the curve. Can you define that intersection of AI and treasury? I mean, what are the most important things to focus on for a treasurer as they start to integrate AI? So what I, what I can give you is what I've seen from what the research we've done and the work we've been doing around it. So, so as you mentioned, we have a we have a newsletter which is AI Treasury Insights that we've been running for uh, I think seven or eight months now, like a weekly. It was bi-weekly at a point. So every week, sometimes twice a week, we are digging into either a treasury solution that uses AI or something related with AI and treasury and what can AI actually do in the world, but also treasury. Like how does it work? And how can all that apply to treasury? And that's that's what I can provide insights from. And honestly, we've we've learned quite a bit. But so, if we go back to the why and the intention of the newsletter in the first place, we we wanted to go beyond the buzzword. So we wanted to see what's out there, what's existing, what's not existing yet, maybe at a project state, and what are the possibilities for the future. I think to summarize it, we, we wanted to dream a bit, um, and we have not been disappointed. So if I start with the beginning. Uh, like it's a bit um, sarcastic, but I like to make this joke. Believe it or not, John, AI was a thing before ChatGPT. <laughs> ChatGPT made it um, comprehensible and fathomable for everybody as we can talk to it, right? It's not to say, hey, some people are smarter whatsoever. It's just to say ChatGPT has put in front of the people um, that tool that you can speak to and that does calculation, write codes, um, answer to you like to some questions that you would have like, probably hours and hours of research to be done to, to grasp properly. Like all of a sudden, AI is at your fingertips and everybody acknowledges AI through ChatGPT. So it has put AI in the spotlight, but as a matter of fact, some treasury solutions already had AI integrated. And the most common use cases, which a lot of people talk about, but it's because it, it's working, it's typically cash flow forecasting and fraud prevention. It's recent, just to be clear, like a few years, but it was before ChatGPT. And it exists and it works. Now, ChatGPT has catapulted AI at the top of the discussions, along with excitements and fears, obviously. 
And um, when it comes to treasury, <laughs> what, what we figured out is that, um, or at least what we think is, uh, treasury departments won't be very fast in adopting AI. So they won't be the last, treasurers won't be the last to adopt AI, um, but they certainly won't be the first. And it somehow makes sense, right, to also give a, give a credit to the, give a little bit of credit to the industry. By essence, we are, we are risk mitigators, right, by design. Our role is to mitigate risk. And yeah, it's true, AI can be a huge risk. Like, definitely you can have lots and lots of problems with AI if not done properly. In the right ecosystem, in the right environment, done properly with the right system, AI can be absolutely fantastic and I'm going to come to it. But it's also a risk. And um, as it is the profession of a treasurer to mitigate risk, involving and like including AI in its department is not something that would be um, like the, the first the first intention for sure. What we foresee though, and already see actually, it's everybody, all the people gravitating around treasury departments that will make use of AI and empower treasury um, through that channel. So typically system vendors, banks, consultants, um, fintechs, startups, and also linked to the banks who often do integrations with those. Those are the third parties, let's say, who will adopt AI faster to get better services, better solutions, uh, better products to serve the treasury department with and say, hey, now instead of 80% uh, accuracy on your cash flow forecasting, we can get you to 95 because we're using AI. That's, that's how we see AI entering into the treasury department soon. And as a matter of fact, already through certain systems. Um, so yeah, and if we, to, to break that down a bit and to, to make it into terms that uh, we cannot understand, like let's, if we say fraud prevention, for instance, and if we compare a machine learning model versus a rule-based model. So to, to break it down, fraud prevention is rule-based. Basically it's okay, if, that's, uh, if that kind of payment isn't executed at that time for that amount from that bank account with that beneficiary from that, uh, from that sender, it's wrong, it needs to be rebooted. That's, that's what we call rule-based. Like if it doesn't meet a certain bunch of criteria, we reject it. Um, or sometimes because the fraud is done properly, it goes through the, through the net. The difference with machine learning is that machine learning will learn from all those errors. Machine learning, you feed it like billions and billions of transactions that happen saying, hey, those are good transactions, learn from it. And then once you get it live, it will also get the wrong ones and it will like sometimes fail, but it will learn from it. So on the long term, machine learning will always beat rule-based models. And what's interesting is that, what, what do we get from this? Let's say, and I'm completely gonna make up numbers here, but it's just for the sake of the example. Rule-based model, let's say your fraud prevention system is 95% uh, effective, the 5% remaining being they block a payment that shouldn't be blocked, all right? Because for instance, the, the date was wrong, like it shouldn't be sent at that day. If machine learning can be even 1% more effective than a rule-based model, it's already gigantic. And it can, because what machine learning will do is, um, okay, in the past, I've seen that this particular client always pays uh, kind of the same amount with uh, the same bank account, the same uh, location, uh, with the same reference number and so on. But sometimes they are late two days, sometimes they are early one day, sometimes they are late five days and so on and so forth. But overall, this is a correct one. That's what machine learning will catch right that rule-based model won't. And that's why it can be more effective. And to, to go a little bit, to go a level deeper, like what's the impact of a 1% improvement in an industry like payment industry? Like when you think about the number of transactions on a monthly basis, it's like it's in billions. You, you probably you probably have more accurate numbers than I do, uh, John. But like 
it's it's gigantic and i've been in the <laughs> i've been in the back offices of that when i was back at uh, at societe generale as a cash management analyst i had this very case of a client calling saying hey where where is my payment and like oh yeah sorry well let me look in the system oh yeah it's uh, it's gone for one day but it has been blocked there and then it has been sent back and you need to redo it because that particular attack was missing a comma okay how much time and resources do you lose on that like at the scale of the payment industry if you can get it one two three percent better through ai imagine the amount of money that it involves and the time and resources that you're saving so that's what we're looking at here that's that's what ai with allow and enable it's like this incremental change of one two three and maybe even more percent that will completely change the face of an industry extremely well said thanks a lot for that Obviously, you have your finger on the pulse of, of, of treasurers and other finance leaders, and they need to get smarter about AI. But what else do we need to get smarter about? What are some of the pain points you hear the most about? So um, I have a few in mind. Um, and in a nutshell, that, that is uh, talents, budgets, and staying up to date. So if I, if I, if I start with, uh, with talents, one, um, and so one of the main feedback we receive is treasury is a support function, but the second most received feedback is uh, there is no treasury degree out there and it's hard to find good talents. Um, there, there are some promising, by the way. There are some uh, universities that are doing a, a good job at like trying to um, get the world of treasury out there. You have some universities that have a treasury module integrated into their, fi their finance um, degree, but there is no like treasury master degree or treasury PhD even, obviously. So recruiting junior staff is always, always a pain point for treasurer. Um, and, and if you look at it, if you look at the job ads, you rarely see treasury analysts, let alone treasury assistants. I'm not saying um, assistant treasurer, I'm saying treasury assistant, which is the, the great before treasury analyst. It's very often at least senior treasury analysts because treasury departments are always like, lean and uh, like because everybody says lean but the real world is understaffed <laughs> you're not lean you're understaffed which okay it's fine everybody's doing a good job everybody's uh, working hard um, but so recruitment is super strategic because um adding one resource you cannot always afford to train them from ground zero so you need a senior treasury analyst who has an experience in cash management at a bank or in systems at a system vendor or even consultants so what, what ends up happening is people get there by accident. People get in treasury by accident and finding good talent is hard. And so the solution to that is we need to get the world, the world out there. We need to make treasury looks fun. It is really, I mean, we, we started corporate treasury one for a reason. And honestly, it's a great career. So I think that's one of the main pain points. And the, the main thing we can do is let's get out there, the, the group treasurers, but even like everybody from treasury department, right? As long as you have like a few years of experience, you have something to say about treasury. And like, let's get out there, let's talk about treasury more. And also, it's a great career. I mean, honestly, if you look at the salaries in the UK or in the US, um, we have a friend who does the, the treasury salary survey, you can get really, really good career um, salaries and career growth uh, in those, typically those two locations. So it's not only fun, it's like, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have a decent career. Um, second pain point we get is oh yeah, but th there is no budget for treasury. And back to the yeah, treasury is seen as a support function. So obviously, when when you see treasury as a support function as a cost center, you're not gonna say on top okay, I'm gonna unlock a couple hundred thousand dollars to for that system implementation or that new solution. I think it's changing uh, thanks to uh, or because of the situation we are in. Back to the beginning of this episode, John, we were saying yeah, treasurers are in the spotlight and people are figuring out that. They need to be given the, the ways and the, the solutions and the tools to, to work effectively. 
but I think treasurers still need to improve on how to make that business case for change. And um, to go a little bit uh, deeper from what we've said earlier um, about how to do that business case, we had um, we had a very interesting guest saying, yeah, you have a bunch of regulations uh, coming. You have a bunch of technical technological changes coming. So whether you want it or not, it's going to happen. So <laughs> make it make it something profitable for you and, and take it in advance and take it early and, and like start transforming before it's too late and before it's forced on you. Now, I also want to caveat on this one because I also know and I've also heard a lot that treasuries are a very small team. So it's already hard to handle the, all the day-to-day, -day, uh, let alone any additional projects on top of that. But I think we're getting there um, and like fighting for that budget is uh, is important, I think, to make that business case for change uh, and budget for anything, actually, not just technological transformation, right? But recruiting or like allocating resources to certain certain stuff. Um, I think that's a pain point, but, uh, but we are getting there. Yeah. And the last one is staying up to date. Like there is definitely a tremendous amount of changes happening. I mentioned it earlier, the regulation-wise, technology-wise, we, we just talked about AI a bit, uh, a bit deeper. Like there is a lot happening and treasury, like lots of industry, obviously, uh, led by technology is in an ever-changing landscape. So we need, uh, treasurers need to keep up to date. And luckily there are a lot of resources out there. And here I'm gonna preach for my church a bit, but of course you have podcasts. You also have the payments podcast, which is a great one. A lot of resources, out there by bottom line by corporate treasury one one and and a lot of other actors honestly i'm i'm not forcing any any resource in particular but like there are lots of great content out there that we need to um stay up to date with because there is lots happening and learning from each other is definitely one that i would insist on like you have lots of actors out there explaining how they transform the client treasury landscape and it's worth a read it's definitely worth a read because you see um in fact how it can happen why it happens but most importantly, the benefits behind it and definitely can get good inspiration out of it. Um, and yeah, maybe the last one, because now I'm, I started talking, so I can stop, John, sorry for that. Uh, Real-time data. I think um, real-time data is, is a bit of a reflection of the, the world we live in. Uh, we need everything right away. And that's honestly also the expectation from leaderships and, uh, and CFOs sometimes. Like, hey, I want visibility on my cash on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I want to know what we are doing uh, FX exposure-wise on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, where's my cash? What, what are we doing out of it? So, um, and, and also if you look at FX exposure, like if you need to wait a week, let alone a month before you even have visibility because your uh, LATAM department or not shooting on any department here, or NA or whatever department in your company is reporting only at month end. Well, you, it's a bit too late, right, <laughs> when it comes to FX exposure. So um, enabling real-time data in a treasury department becomes critical. And what I like is that it's it's linking with everything we've said so far, like uh, making that business case for change. Treasury is in the spotlight. Let's, let's take the opportunity to uh, make things right and make sure we can bring lots and lots of value to the company on top of the rearing of on our, on our tasks. Well, you've certainly made the business case for change. You've done a great job with that. So I, I, I really appreciate that. It's been a, a great episode. So Guillaume, last question. I want to give you an opportunity to close as a keynote speaker. <laughs> Let's say you're at an international conference, senior finance leaders, treasurers. Give me two or three urgent things they should take away and focus on. Yeah, so um, I'm gonna go over the little uh, the little sweat mark that I have in the, in the back, uh, being in front of uh, 400 treasurers. And I'm gonna try to give them advice. So um, I think the first one is, um, and it's funny because I think it, it basically links back to everything we've said so far in the episode. Treasurers need to get out there. Like. 
there are so many treasures, and we've been we've been to Eurofinance in September with uh, with Osam, and we've met so many amazing treasurers. But like from from senior treasury analysts, right, up until group treasurer, obviously, people who have like dozens of years of experience or like even more, and you're like, but you know so much. There is so much insight and so much learning from your career. Like get out there, like speak about it, spread the word. I, I like to say spread the love of treasury. Uh, we, we need to do that. And that's not only like, hey, look at me, I've done this. It's like sharing best practices, uh, talking, talking about use cases, about learnings, about challenges as well, right? We're going we're gonna to soon interview, no spoiler, but somebody who has gone through um, a cyber attack. Like, how do you deal with that? Like, people need to get out there. Treasurers need to get out there, out there and inspire the younger generation to join the ranks, first of all. But also, as an industry, like we need to collaborate. It's, it's a small world, Treasury. Like, let's get out there. Let's share information. Let's share use cases. And of course, here again, I'm preaching for my church, but, but not only podcasts, like videos, webinars. We're not, we're not doing webinars, conferences, neither. Like, let's get out there. And I see so many great treasurer not getting in the spotlight or not enough, while they have so much to share. Um, that That's maybe the first inspirational thing I would like to I would like to say to the treasurers at, at my at my keynote. The second thing is is a bit in the lines of um, of what we do at Corporate Treasury 101 and especially with this newsletter is like let's embrace technology and changing technology and regulation as a driver for efficiency. And here is like okay bon, classic uh, classic buzzword. But there, there is a real thing happening here. It's like AI, data, cloud automation, like you name it. There are so much and so many things happening here. Uh, let alone the regulations. That, that, that episode we recorded about, about the changing regulations, it was a, a focus on Europe. But um, there is ISO 2022 coming. There is e-invoicing coming. There is B2B payments coming. Like There are so many regulations that are going to affect treasury departments so heavily that treasurers cannot uh, cannot wait for, this, uh, for these changes to be pushed on them, um, regulation-wise, but technology as well. And again, back to that business case for change. To, to quote that guest again, you're going to have to do it anyways. Like it's going to happen and whether it's going to be forced and pushed on you, like you're going to have to rush it and do it um, halfway good. Might as, might as well just sit now and say, okay, well, this is happening. This is coming. This is our time horizon. What are we doing about it? How are we making our business case for change? What are the qualitative and quantitative benefits that we can get out of it? And uh, let's make it part of a, of a master plan uh, rather than being it being forced on us. Um, and last one, which is uh, kind of wrapping it all up, and that's, that's literally the name of one of our biggest episodes, which is uh, from support function to strategic partner. Like, again, it's it's like a nice keyword and so on, and you're going to see it as a title of a lot of webinars and, and conference speaks, but uh, we really strongly believe in it because we live in a time now where treasury should no longer be a cost center. And literally, um, like in a period of high interest rates, like it can it can happen, like it's, it's easy, but not simple, uh, or the other way around. I'm, I'm not too sure of my English here, but like we need to become a strategic partner from the, for the bottom line growth of the CFO, and that's better working capital, cash cash management, and investment management. Mitigate FX loss is a huge one, obviously, and all this can be technology enabled. Linking back to my uh, second point for my uh, keynotes uh, wrap up, um, if your two analysts are not busy with bank reconciliation and payment validations all day. Imagine what they could be doing in terms of running analysis, running scenarios, so you can actually drive strategic decisions. Like all the things need to be done and it can be done. Like if you manage to get, I don't know, a few millions of uh, interest returns over the year, you practically pay for your treasury department. So like it's doable. And then you get in the green, in the, in the green area where you're like, hey, we are like literally making this company win money through treasury. Like it's happening. 
And that's that's where you're gonna get beyond the spotlight and become a strategic treasurer. And to and to wrap it up, in the US, lots of treasurers are VPs. And in Europe, it's not that much the case yet, but it's because there is so much cash in, cash in US companies that, yeah, treasure, treasurers play such an important role. So it's happening, it can be done. It's just a matter of, okay, where are we right now? And how do we become a strategic partner from a support function? So that's that's my uh, three points for my keynotes, John. You, you did my job for me. Thank you. Thank you very much <laughs> for wrapping it all up. That's the business case for change. That is extremely well said, well articulated. And that is going to be a wrap for this episode of the Payments Podcast. My guest has been Guillaume Jouvencel from Corporate Treasury 101. Guillaume, thank you so much for a great episode. Thank you so much, John. It was great. And once again, thanks for listening to the Payments Podcast. We'll see you next time on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. See you next time. from Bottom Line Technologies.